Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Don't go to Children's Church. You stay upstairs. You want to open up your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, as well as later on, we will be opening up our Bibles to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. The bubonic plague was the worst plague in world history. And there's actually been three outbreaks of the bubonic plague. The first one, the one that most of us remember, is the one that occurred in the 1300s. And what happened is that's known as the Black Death. And folks, within a week, they would get it. They would sniff, they would cough and sneeze. And um, they would literally... um, their skin would turn black and they would quickly die. Very contagious. But that, the one in the 1300s wasn't what um, was when it first came about. The bubonic plague actually first showed up in the 500s, 500 AD. And it was there in Europe. And during that time when it was rampant, and folks just didn't know. By the way, the way they got rid of the bubonic plague is folks are washing their hands and they practice quarantine. That's how, because you realize you take a sick person and you isolate them and they won't contaminate all the other people. But what happened was a, the Pope during this time, so this was one of the early popes, right when the Church of Rome had just started. His name was Pope Gregory I. And he was the Pope for 14 years from 590 to 604. And John Calvin, one of the reformers 500 years ago, described Gregory I as the last good pope. So that was his description. That's been 1,400 years ago with that. But this fellow here, uh, Gregory I, he's a church father. He um, told people when they started sneezing because of the bubonic plague, because that was how it was transmittable through sneezing. If you saw someone, or you witnessed someone sneeze, you were to say, God bless you. That's where it comes from. So if you ever see someone sneeze, you say, God bless you. And the reason why the Pope encouraged folks to do that was because you were to receive a blessing from the Lord so you wouldn't get or transmit the, the bubonic plague to other, uh, other person. It was supposed to protect you from the virus. And we know that um, uh, you might say that, but that didn't necessarily work. But I share that because that was a blessing on other people's life. We're about to read the story here about why God chose Mary. Mary and Joseph were chosen by the Lord for Jesus. And this is about receiving God's favor on your life. Do you want God's favor on your life? Do you want the blessing of the Lord upon you this Christmas season here in December? Absolutely you do. And this here, what we see here about the reasoning for why God, we're going to say, I'm going to show you all through Scripture, why God chose different types of people. So go ahead and turn your Bible. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. There it is, favored woman. That's God's favor upon her life. 
The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Obviously, if an angel appears to you, you're going to be wondering what on earth is going on. Anyway, that's what occurred. Mary is obviously startled by this. She was wondering what kind of uh, greeting it could be. The angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found, look at this, favor with God. There's that statement again. Mary found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob, that's Israel, forever. And his kingdom will have no end. The kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God, continues to reign today. Whether or not people acknowledge it, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's on his throne. There's no surprises with Jesus. He's holding this world together. Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I've not had sexual relations with the man? Which that's a common question to ask for someone in Mary's case. The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So the angel explains, Is the Holy Spirit going to do this? It's going to be a miracle, and this is going to be the Son of God, Mary, that you're going to give birth to. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth, the Bible says, is a relative between, be, be, with Mary and Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth was elderly. She was an older lady. So both of these women who were chosen by God would not be good candidates for having babies. One is, uh, is, is on Medicare, and the other one has never had sexual relations, and she's extremely young. So you've got some contrast here, but God in His miraculous power is absolutely to perform miracles, and He picks Elizabeth and Mary, and they are going to have miraculous children. Now it's interesting, six months prior, the same angel appeared to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth were an elderly couple. And the angel appears to them, and Zechariah meets this angel and he starts explaining to the angel about why he's an old man and he can't, they can't have a baby anymore. Like They're, they're past those days. They're, they're, that's not possible. And that's not how Mary responded. The angel silenced Zechariah so he could not talk for nine months to show to them, says, you, if I tell you you're gonna, your wife's going to have a baby, your wife's going to have a baby. Mary responded radically different than her relative Elizabeth. She believed the angel. She trusted in the message. She had found favor. Now, who were these two babies? Zechariah and Elizabeth had a baby named John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Jesus here and John the Baptist, their families, we don't know how, but they were related. Probably Jesus and John were cousins. Maybe second cousins. But... What's powerful about this passage, we're going to see God, the reason why God told Mary that your relative Elizabeth is six months already pregnant and everybody says she can't have a baby more, 
is because soon Mary's going to travel over there to see if this message, is it true? I mean, think about it. If you have something really odd or unusual happen in your life, you want a confirmation is think, did anybody see this? Did this really happen? And it's that, that message there is going to be confirmed with Mary to say, uh, um, yes, I am expecting a baby. Look at this verse here. Verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Do you believe that? God is telling Mary, Mary, this doesn't, biology, this doesn't make sense. You're gonna, you've never had relations before, you're going to have a baby. Elizabeth, your relative, is extremely old, she's going to have a baby. But the, but the power of God is going to perform a Christmas miracle. We're breaking into the world. There's been about four, 450 years since the last book, the last prophet has come on the scene. For when the Old Testament canon closed, they've been in this intertestamental period. And now God is breaking through the New Testament with Gabriel announcing that these two ladies, that they're about to have babies, and they're going to be very special babies. And look how Mary responds. Verse 38 says, See, I am the Lord's servant, says Mary. May it happen to me as you've said. Then the angel left her. She responded in a way of saying, I believe, I trust, I trust you. A lot different than how Zechariah responded. We know the story goes on. Mary left that, Mary quickly left and went to go visit Elizabeth to find out, am I really having a baby? Are you really pregnant? We see these women, Elizabeth and Mary, received favor from God. Now you think about that phrase, favor from God. That is something we see from the beginning of Scripture all the way to the end. I want to highlight and share with you several other examples in the Bible of folks who had favor with God because I believe that's something we should long for. We should seek favor for God. Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says there was wickedness all over the land. People were out of control. Immorality, you might feel like the way it's in 2021. Everywhere you go, somebody's going to rip you off. And just nothing... People are going to take advantage of you. And whatever the Bible says, they're literally going to go live the exact opposite. And God in Genesis chapter 6 says his heart grieved over the world. And he had decided to destroy the world. He was saddened with the creation he had made. How wicked they had become. But in Genesis 6, 8, the scripture says, But Noah and his family found favor with God. Eight people were saved in that item up at Georgetown, the big boat up there. Eight people survived the flood because they had found favor with God. Moses. Moses was called by God. He led the people through the Red Sea. He, they, they left Egypt out of the yoke of slavery. They come into the promised land we're heading into the promised land, the Sinai region, region. God calls Moses up on mountain, Mount Sinai, receives the Ten Commandments, receives 40 days and 40 nights with the Lord. He comes down the mountain. The people are already breaking the Ten Commandments and worshiping a golden calf. 
The people were griping and complaining. Moses is incredibly frustrated. He didn't even want this job. If you remember, he gave every reason why he couldn't do it. He gave his excuses. And then when we get to Exodus 33, God spoke to Moses and told him what he's about to do next. And Moses was struggling because there he's had to go back up the Ten Commandments, back up the mountain, and get another set of the Ten Commandments. And he's thinking, oh great, we just did this for 40 days and 40 nights. We're about to have do-over, number two. And then what happened is Moses and his, and his just, he wanted more from God. And he says, God, I want to see you. Who are you? You've told me your name is I Am. You've described what you look like. You've described your character. But Lord, I want to see you. And God told Moses in Exodus 33, verse 17. He says, Moses, you can't see my face because you'll die. But I tell you this, because I have found favor with you, Moses. That's what the Bible says. Moses found favor with God. I'm going to pass by. I'm going to put you in a crevice of a rock. And I'm going to pass by, and I'm, then I'm going to remove my hand, and you'll see a small glimpse of my back. Do you know the only people to ever see God, other than Jesus? Now, when we see Jesus, we're looking at God. The only people to see God were Adam and Eve before the fall, before they ate from the tree which they were commanded not to. The Bible says that God went and spoke like to Adam and Eve. He was, they regularly spoke to them. They had a meeting place before they ate from the tree they weren't supposed to eat from. And then this small glimpse in the, from the crevice, a crack, Moses saw God's back. And the reason why he saw God's back is because God had found, Moses had found favor with the Lord. He lived a righteous life. Last month, we wrapped up Esther. Esther, it says in Esther chapter 2, that she was someone who God kept positioning in her life. She was a beautiful young girl. She was raised by a godly cousin named Mordecai. She had been selected to be prepared before the king. And the reason why all these things happened is because Esther 2.15 says, and Esther gained all this favor with everyone, including the Lord. And if you remember from last week, God reveals to Esther, says through Mordecai, saying, hey, perhaps all these things, perhaps you've come to your royal position, perhaps all of these unusual events, Esther, that have happened in your life, they're not by accident. It was the Lord working. That's favor with God. In fact, the next scripture here, turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. Because we see how Solomon writes that we can gain favor with God. You're here this morning and you're thinking, Lord, I want to I gain favor. I want to know you more. I want to experience your favor like all these wonderful folks here in the Bible. It says, my son, verses Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, don't forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days, a full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. 
Write them on the tablet of your heart. God is telling us here, our commitment to Him is that loyalty and faithfulness to the Lord. Y'all know what loyalty is? Loyalty is when you give someone your word, you follow through. When you, you make a commitment to your spouse, your family, your employer, you'll do it. You're just loyal. You don't change, you don't change sports teams all the time. Zach Bauer is very loyal to the Oklahoma City Thunder. He once told me that. He's not a Fairweather fan. He's committed to his team. If you follow that same team, it's easy to cheer for teams when they're doing really well. But they're, they're in dark days. And I want to tell you something. We experience dark, tough times. Your team's going to lose. There's going to be times in your life that you don't get along with your spouse. Churches go through bad seasons. You, you have times at work that just aren't pleasant. It's just hard. And the Lord is looking at us and He's saying, don't let loyalty leave you. We have a commitment to Christ that should not waver. When you have a bad doctor's appointment, you don't throw in the tower. COVID should not wash you out of church. Do you all know in, in American church life, the average church is missing one-fourth to one-third of people. Just they're gone. From March of 2022 to today, across the board, it's not just, just here in Lexington, across America, probably the world, one out of four to one out of three people in church. They just quit going. Now, they might worship online, but they're not in person anymore. That is the norm. And, and that shows in many ways Christ is looking at us and He's saying, are we, are we going to be committed and loyal to even when things don't go our way? Our nation is changing. Our culture is totally changing around us. Christ is looking at us and He's saying, you, you don't never, He says, never let loyalty this is something, when you, make, when you make a commitment, you stay with it. And he goes on to say, main verse here in verse 4, this is about how we gain favor with God. He says, then, after you do these things, you stay committed, then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. God is looking for folks who are going to be committed to His Word. This Christmas season... Listen, we, we, December is probably one of my most favorite months. I believe God works mightily in the month of December. The month I got saved. I've shared it before. A lot of people visit church. We have all sorts of different programs and events that present the gospel and the, the story of how Christ was born, came to save the world of our sins. But what's most important for us is despite all of these events and special parties and things you're going to go do, is your commitment and focus to Christ the same? Like it should not waver. That is what a loyal, committed person, that's how we gain that favor with God. Not only here, going back to these stories here, I've got two more I want to share about people in the Bible who found favor with God. We see the stories of the Old Testament of Noah, Moses, Esther. We see the command from some Solomon from how to do it. 
But you get to the New Testament. Jesus says he found favor with God. And Jesus was God. So he even won the favor of the Lord. In Luke 2.52, Luke 2, it says when he was growing up, when he was a young man, a, a, a middle schooler, a high schooler, he was coming of age, and it says he grew in wisdom and in stature. Stature be, let's say Jesus is about 6'2". He was a pretty tall guy. We don't really know that, but that's what meant stature. He grew up. He's a young man growing up, and it says he grew in that wisdom, and he found a favor with God and the other people. He was someone who was, he, he knew by obeying the Lord, by, by honoring and showing respect to other people, I find favor with, he will find favor with other folks. If you're rude, if you're a jerk, if you make gossipy comments about other people, do you know you will not find favor with them? If we do not follow the Lord's instruction, we do not find favor with the Lord. God has given us His Word. He's given us His command. And He's looking for us to say, are you going to follow it? I was at Kroger this past week, and I would have thought like the cashier if I was 10 years ago, but I was there, and there were these middle schoolers, like 12, 13, 14-year-old. Looked like Mama just brought a truckload of them and took them to Kroger and started them running around the place screaming. They aren't going to buy anything. They don't have any money. And I'm standing in line about to check out, and the sweet cashier lady, she was an older lady, she was shaking her head and said, man, if our manager was here, he'd run them out of here. They'd just run around the store screaming, just, I mean, just acting silly. We're just small children. And then the, the lady in front of me was checking out. She agreed. She says, yeah, they sure are loud. I was, I was right behind next in line. I'm over there smiling, thinking, 10 years ago, I would have said the same thing. But I have a bunch of middle schoolers at my house. I'm used to this type of behavior. This is standard day. This is how, if you're 13, that's what you do. You just run through the store screaming with no purpose whatsoever. Then run out the door. So what did you accomplish? That's not the purpose. You did what you were going to do. And I think a lot of times, that's how we respond. No, there was nothing sinful or wrong these kids were doing. They were acting like kids. Kids do what kids are going to do. Now, if someone is doing something wrong, sinful, disobedient to what Scripture, our responsibility at that point is provide biblical instruction. We teach the truth. Thus saith the Lord. But Folks, many times in our life, we have to be able to say, okay, am I making an issue out of something that's morally wrong or it's just, uh, it's not really my cup of tea or it's annoying or it's, a, it's bothering me? Stuff, things, events, attitudes that are immoral, that's when we follow the Lord's instruction. God is looking for us to be committed first and foremost to Him and following what He says in His teaching, growing just like Jesus in statue and in knowledge of the Lord and with people. The last example here of someone in the Bible of growing in favor of the Lord is found in 1 Peter chapter 2. You don't need to turn there, I want to tell you, because it's about you. 1 Peter 
says when we endure suffering, when we as Christians stand up for what is right, when we speak against evil and about what's wrong, God actually, we win His favor. And you think about suffering. All of these examples I gave. Do you know when Noah was building the ark for 500 years? That poor man was mocked the whole time. Just mocked. When Moses was leading the people into the promised land, he had so many problems. His own family rebelled against him. They griped and grumbled for 40 years. It was miserable. Miserable. He just woke up and dealt with complaints. When Esther, everything was going great for her until she found out in chapter 4 that she was about to die. And Mordecai, who raised her, said, Sweetheart, I want to tell you the truth. If you don't speak up, you're going to die. Like, the, 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 just playing a beauty patch is fun, but eventually it runs out. There comes a time where you have to stand for the Lord. And that, at that moment, when we make that stand for the Lord, that's when we gain God's favor. And this morning, we read about how, how do you bring favor? You obey the Lord, you stand for the Lord, and He blesses you. Going back to Mary, what happened with her? Three things happened to her. She accepted God's plan for her life. Some of you are here, you're wishing you'd be somewhere else. You might wish you were in another church. You might wish you had different kids. You might wish you had different parents. You might wish you lived somewhere else. But that's not where you're at in life. You're here. And God has placed you here. So you can make the best of this. You can say, God, I'm going to accept that this is where you have me. Don't understand why. Have no idea. Wish I was somewhere else. Wish I was in the mountains. She's in Hawaii, in Florida. Just, uh, the, every, the grass is always greener on the other side. Always. Until you get over there, you realize you have to cut it. It took work to get to be green. Mary accepted. She says, I am the Lord's servant. This is where you, God, if I don't understand how I've never had relations with a man, but I'm going to get pregnant, so be it. If that's what you say, nothing is impossible with God. Not only that, Mary responded with gladness. She didn't gripe or grumble. When God calls and equips you to do something, we have a glad spirit, a glad heart about it. But not only did she respond, she also received confirmation. And I believe this is what happens in our life. God, He, he wants us to accept our, our place in life. We respond positively with that. That's how we gain His favor. And then He confirms it and the way he confirmed it to Mary is she went to go visit Elizabeth. I actually believe this is why Elizabeth, her relative, was chosen. Mary was wondering, am I really going to have a baby? Did I really just speak to an angel? Did this really occur? Because no one else saw it. And she went and visited Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was pregnant too in her old age. That confirmed to Mary this is true. God confirms to you with answered prayer, with the peace of God, with assurance of salvation, that the Lord is with you and the Lord has granted you favor. This morning, I asked you, do you want favor with God? Do you want the hand of the Lord on your family? Do you know those unchurched lost people you're praying for who aren't here this morning? You want to see them saved? You want to see the power of God work in their life? 
We don't throw in the towel. We don't give up. We stay committed and loyal to the Lord. God is looking for faithful people who are going to hold to His Word, who's going to raise their family, raise their grandchildren in God's house, who's going to take this Christmas season, and instead of making it about Santa Claus, every day share about the Lord. Tell the Gospel. This morning I ask you, we're going to have our time of response. Just like Mary, she responded. She says, I am the Lord's servant. If that's what He wants, I'll do it. Do you respond that same way? Is God speaking and calling you? I want to tell you, the first step to answering God's call is responding to the Lord when He's encouraging and convicting you of sin in your life. Telling you you need to repent and turn away from the old way of life and turning to Christ. Jesus is calling you this morning. And we're going to have an opportunity right now to respond to God. So I invite you to bow your head and we're going to pray. Then I'll be standing down front and you'll come take my hand and say, Pastor, I want to respond to God this morning. Jesus, I pray this morning that we will respond to you. Lord, just like Mary, she responded and says, I am the Lord's servant. God, sign me up. No more excuses. I'm not going to tell you why I can't do it. God's not looking for us to give excuses to Him because nothing is impossible with God. You can answer, Lord, any prayer. You can give any gift, any skill. Lord, I pray this morning that we respond boldly and faithfully to You in this message. Lord, we ask for Your favor and we know very clearly how to gain Your favor in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite all of y'all to stand up. I'm going to be standing down front. You want to make a decision? You come take my hand. You can get saved this morning. It's also our time that you can join Broadway Baptist Church. Zach, Zach will be standing right here. I'll be standing right now here. You come make your decision public this morning. Be true.